0: welcome to the audacity church podcast we pray that you are blessed by what you hear today we love to hear stories of what god is doing in people's lives take some time to share your story of how god is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com now prepare your heart to hear from god today Hey, welcome to the final week of 10 Rules for Life. Uh, We've been on this journey together for 12 weeks and life looked a lot differently when we started than it does right now. But I just wanna say thank you uh, for taking part in this series and learning what it looks like for us to find freedom in the middle of chaos. And we're on the 10th and final rule of these Rules for Life where God says, hey, this is what's best for human flourishing. And I thought it would be pertinent to go ahead and kind of hit the reset button so we all can remember where we are. The children of Israel or the the children of the nation of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham have been in bondage or slavery for 430 years. All they know are are the gods of the Egyptians. All, All they know are idols and they haven't known their God. They've not been necessarily worshiping their God. All they have are these ancient stories that they've passed down from decade to decade and now century upon century. And they don't know who their God is. And their God says, I have come down to free you. And we know the story of Moses as he intersects himself into the history. And God tells Moses to go and free the people of Israel And so there's this dramatic display of plagues. And in each one of the plagues, God is attacking an idol, attacking a god of Egypt. And he finally ends this with this uh, sacrifice of the firstborn. And it was a direct attack on Pharaoh. And they they considered the Pharaoh's deities. And how the nation of Israel is freed is by the, the shedding of blood. They, they picked a lamb and they, they shed the blood of the lamb and they, they put it over the doorpost. If you remember when the angel of the Lord came, all, all he did was to look for the blood. He didn't see if the person inside was necessarily qualified. And so these people have now been freed and, and they've been walking for a few months and they find themselves at, at the foot of a giant mountain, this, this Mount Sinai. And God comes down, if you remember when we were together in Exodus 19, when we started this a few months ago, and God speaks to the nation of Israel. He says, you are a treasured possession. He says, I I want you to be a a priesthood. He says, I want you to be a holy nation. And God invites the nation of Israel to be his representatives to the world. He says, "I, I want you to live this way And he gives them these 10 rules for life. And there's a pattern, right? We talk about that in this house a lot. That prophecy is is a lot of time a pattern. And it put on full display a pattern for us. For when we see the Son of God come to earth, and then he came down and when he shed his blood on another mountain called Calvary. And he gives us now this, this freedom The nation of Israel is in bondage of being slaves. And and you and I, until we've given our heart and life to Jesus, are in bondage of sin. And so this invitation is a benefit to us all. God says the real God, not these other gods that you see, the real God would come down. We see that these ten rules for life are given for us and for our benefit. Peculiarly, they they each not only benefit us, but they benefit our neighbor. They they each have a, a rule that is de- helping us discover who God wants us to be to our culture. And and this is so important. Each one of these rules is about our protection, not our restriction. It's about what God says. Hey, I want you to be flourishing. This is how I want you to be a good neighbor. I won't break these rules down really quickly, just as a recap. If you remember the first four rules were, have no other gods, make no idols, do not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. And then the last of the four was to honor the Sabbath. And each one of the first four rules were actually uh, helping us focus our relationship towards God. We're invited to this relationship with Him as a treasured creation. We're invited into a loving relationship where we have purpose and identity. We are invited into His presence. And we're challenged to look intently into our hearts and see if there's any idols or the shadows of idols that might be taking His place in our lives. And then uh, we, were, we were challenged not, not to be tempted to, uh, for something else to take God's place. We realized that everything that we do is worship and that God takes his name and his word seriously. We learned that God exalts his name and his word above everything else. So taking the name of the king was serious business and then of the first four, that last rule was a was a gift. It was an invitation, a commandment to rest, where we surrender to the rhythms of God to find our own rhythm. And we find our strength in the ability not to be defined by our doing but to be defined by our being. Now the next five rules, right? Rules five, six, seven, eight, and nine. They they talk about the importance of honor, how it all starts at home. Honor your father and mother. It talks the value of life. And then we, we kind of coined the phrase sex God, right? Because he, he cares about it. He's got a pattern and a way for it. But it says don't commit adultery, and then it says don't steal and don't lie. And all of these five rules shift our focus from our relationship to God to now our relationship with one another, our relationship with people, our relationship with culture. We learn that the foundation of all of these relationships started home in the importance of a mother and father pouring into a child's life. We learn that we're we're to raise kids and uh, to be loving. We we, we lead them to be compassionate. We lead them to be children who serve. We discover that there's really importance and honor. We we see that we're to seek the value of life. And we, we saw that God says don't murder, because anytime we do, we're actually he takes it as us attacking his very nature. And and some of us were a bit shocked maybe to find out that, that, that God cares about sex and that covenant is a big deal to him. And he says a man and a woman, they, they go into a covenant and they're in covenant with each other and in covenant with God, and it matters to him. And then we see that God desires us, us to flourish. And we do this best when we, we don't hurt ourselves and when we don't hurt others. And so we have these, these nine rules for life and the loving Father has, has one more rule. And this is how he puts it to us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You shall not cover your covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. If you're anything like me, you're like, oh man, half of this doesn't apply to me. My neighbor doesn't have donkeys and he doesn't have servants. I'm good to go. I don't have to worry about that. It's so much deeper and, and richer in the text. See, all of the previous rules, they focus on things we do. And this rule intentionally focuses on our hearts and the desires of our hearts. So see, when he says, don't covet your neighbor's house, I mean, I think all of us could probably still do that. Or they have more square footage or they're in a nicer neighborhood or whatever it might be. And maybe for you, You know, you're like, well, I don't really covet my neighbor's husband or my neighbor's wife. But then there's times that you look at their Insta story and you're like, I wish I had that in my life. I wish we could go to those kind of places. And then you would say, well, you know, none of us have servants. But you're like, man, I wish I had the influence that that guy has and all the people that work for him. I wish I had employees like he did because then my company, my organization, my church would be bigger or better or whatever it might be. And maybe you would say it is donkey or his ox, but that's an automobile. I mean, that, that, that could be transportation. And then he says, and the, and the rule just basically puts a blanket statement and says, or anything that is your neighbor. The the Hebrew word for covet is actually come on. And, and, and come on, and it, It means almost like a pant, something that you desire. See, what coveting does is coveting awakens in you the realization of what you don't have and makes you desire what other people have. Exodus says, don't covet. We can covet houses and cars and appearances and possessions, and spouses, and jobs, and careers, or, or anything else that we think would give us meaning. So how do we apply this? Now, let's just look at a few things. We're going to look at four quick things. Number one is this. God wants the desires of your heart. That's, that's what he's saying. He says, <clears throat> when you begin to covet, it's when you're desiring something that God says is not yet, or not now, or not for you. And when you begin to covet that God says, no, 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 listen, I, I want it all. I, I even want the desires of your heart. The psalmist put it this way, and this is a, a well-known psalm for people that have read through the psalms many times, but it's a compelling psalm. But this is what it says in chapter 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. And then it says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Did you catch that? The, the psalmist says, "Hey, let me break this down for you. You want to know how you're not going to covet in life? Do you know how to give God your desires? Is just trust in God." And sometimes you're going to face circumstances and and trials and tribulations where that's all you're going to have is your trust and your faith in God. And you will either choose to trust in spite of your circumstance or you will choose to trust through your circumstance. And then God says to dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I think a lot of times in our lives, the blessings that come from God are really just about obedience and faithfulness. Where you stick it out where you remain faithful. And then he says this, hey, do you want to know how you prevent yourself, how you give me your desires, if you just delight yourself in me? And we can find a, a gamut of things that fulfill our desires, a gamut of things that we think give us delight. And God says, no, I want the desires of your heart. Do you know what coveting really is? Coveting is ungodly discontent when you're not happy where you are for whatever reason, when you're not satisfied with how God has allowed your life to go, you, you, you're you discontent by the circumstances or the challenges that you're facing. And what we really say is we say this, God, this isn't what I want. And God, I don't agree with your plan. That's what coveting is. God says, I want all of you. I, I even want your desires. This rule is so very deep. It says that we have, let me just put it this way, you and I have no problem seeing what we perceive as coveting in other people, but it's really, really hard to see coveting in ourselves. I'll say it again. We have no problem seeing coveting in other people, our perception of what we think is coveting. It's much harder to see coveting in ourselves. This is what it sounds like. Did you did you see their new car? I mean, can they even afford that? This is what it sounds like. Did, did you see their new house? Did you see what neighborhood they moved to? Did you see fill in the blank? When it's an object of something else, of someone's elf, and you think it's too lavish, or you think you don't understand, that can begin the heart. Of coveting. This is always so funny to me. Let me give you a personal example Confessions of a Pastor. The only people who speed are the people who are driving faster than me. Now, if you hang around me, you know I at least drive five miles over the speed limit. Y'all pray for me, okay? But when people go flying by me, I'm like, oh my gosh, look how fast they're going. It is so much easier for me to say, you're speeding right now doing five miles an hour than it is to complain about the person that goes blitzing past me, right? We see coveting or we, we see it in other people's lives, but we don't see it in our own. We say, "All oh, the people spend money on stupid things, but we don't identify the things that we buy that are stupid. I have this mentor It's in my life, much older than I am. And his pastors a very, very large church. And he was telling me about, uh, uh, trying to, over dinner with a group of pastors, he was telling me about perception of others. He says, you're a pastor and you're leading. He goes, listen, there'll always be a perception of what people perceive about you, by the square footage, your home, your car. He goes, and there'll always be people that are bent the wrong way. And I said, okay. I said, I guess I could understand that. He goes on to tell me a story that a guy in his church wanted to buy him a new car. He just wanted to love on his pastor with this expression of a gift. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm signing up. Anybody? 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 Right? And this guy loved his pastor so much. He just wanted to be a blessing to his pastor. And so he says, hey, we're going car shopping. I'm just going to buy you a new car. And he pulls into a Cadillac dealership, and the, the pastor's telling me the stories so he's recounting. And he goes, "There's no way I could drive a Cadillac." He said, "There are people in my church that would talk." He goes, "I can't. I couldn't drive a Cadillac." He said, "There's no way that I could do that." He said, because the people would think that that I'm I'm too well off, or the people would think that I'm too lavish in my spending." He goes, I can't. He goes, it doesn't matter that you're buying it for me. He goes, I cannot drive a Cadillac. He goes, there's no way. He goes, people would leave the church if I started driving a Cadillac. This pastor was horrified as he's trying to navigate this circumstance in his life. But you know what's so funny? is the guy bought him a brand new... GMC, Yukon Denali, basically the same automobile, and not one person ever said anything. Why? Because of the perception. See, God wants the desires of your heart, and God in this commandment, they say, hey, listen, I'm working on you. Yes, I've worked on how you treat people. Yes, I've worked on how you treat employees. Yes, I've worked on how you treat your spouse. Yes, we talked about how you treat me, but now I want to focus on you and the desires that you have. Number two is this. I just want to explain to us how coveting works. I want you to be have a really, really clear understanding of what coveting looks like. Now, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says this. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For it is written, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm a very driven person. I set goals. uh, I like to work hard. and, And I believe that God wants us to have Goals and dreams and vision, like the next phase or the next. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. So I think the question might be for all of us is like, hey, Pastor Ronnie, where is that line of how do I know whether I am a- a coveting or what it looks like? Or, and and how, how do I know that I'm just being driven towards a goal? It's, 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 it's pretty easy. See, coveting is so similar to idolatry. It's in in this fact that you believe that whatever you're coveting, whatever you're desiring, whatever you wish you had, if you think that is the secret sauce, if you think that is what's going to give you peace, then you've missed it if you think that that bigger house is what's going to make you happy, then you've missed it. If you think that that newer car is somehow going to make you more content. If you think that that promotion is what you need in order to feel fulfilled, that's where it's coveting. That's where it becomes a part of our identity. And the author of Hebrews is laying out in this section, if you want to read it later this week, He's laying out this section, this is what pleases God. I mean, you want to please God, I want to please God, but he's laying this down. And he said, how you please God is by being content. Content in what? Content in the presence of Jesus. See, how coveting works is it makes you think that your happiness, your contentness, your identity, your joy is gonna be on something other than just your relationship with Jesus. This foundational truth brings so much freedom. And it, it clarifies your identity in our chaotic lives. And that's why at Audacity we say this, Jesus plus nothing, nothing equals everything. Have Jesus, have nothing. It's all about Jesus. See how covenanting starts is it starts with your eyes you see something, we see an object, and our mind starts to admire it, starts to think it's somehow gonna give us peace, and then our heart starts to mull it over, over and over. If I just had that relationship, or if I just had that job, or if we just lived in that neighborhood, or if I could just make this amount of money, and our heart just starts to mull it over and over and over. And then what happens is our bodies, our, our its action, our wills start to move us towards it. And it's why in scripture, that the, the reading that was read over us today, Jesus says we must look to our inner selves, not our outward circumstances. Jesus said it's really what's on the inside. We've got to give our heart's desires. It's, it's what's in there that leads to sin. So like Ryan well, Pastor, like really, what's the big deal? Number three is this: what's the problem with coveting? Like I, I'm just driven, man. I, that's just going to give me an identity. Man, it's going to give me more. You know, if I could just win the lottery, then I would give half of it to the church. Listen, dear friend, if you can't muster up ten percent now, you're going to give half of the lottery winnings away. I can guarantee it. We say, well, what really? What's the matter? I'm just trying. I'm just a driven person. This is what the problem is with coveting or problems see our entire economy is built on coveting everything is it basically says that this fill in the blank product will give you this fill in the blank outcome we've bought it we thought this product or or this what fill in the blank whatever it is is what's going to give us this Income, our outcome, excuse me. It's why now, like, you know, we live in a culture that is so peculiar to me. We actually have people that are paid like real money for being social media influencers. Because I'm gonna look at a guy that I'm checking out his workouts and I see what dumbbells he uses and he promotes them or whatever it might be or the or whatever exercise equipment and because he does that, people give him money. I'm fascinated. It goes with, with makeup, jewelry, clothes, everything. Why? Because our entire culture is built on making you covet. I mean, it's fascinating and terrifying. <laughs> All marketing. And all of advertising is to awaken a desire within you to move you towards action. And that's coveting. See, the uniqueness of coveting to me is it reveals like no other religion in the world. There's nothing like it. That's why we believe that God came down. That's why we believe that God speaks truth. No other religion in the world... God says, no, I'm, I'm looking at the motive of your heart. That's how I judge sin. It's, it's not only the external, but it's the internal. God uh, not only looks at our actions, but he looks at our intentions. And coveting as is at the root of all our behaviors and all our desires. And, and coveting breaks all the rules for life see when we covet position or influence what you're really doing i mean we probably would admit this out loud but you're seeking to be worshipped revered or honored that's the place of god see when, when we covet or we compromise we cheat or we steal so that we can we can get ahead i mean adultery always begins in the heart before it moves to the hands, I want you to hear me, I, I say this in love, but I, the boldness of, of, of for me to help us have an understanding of coveting, just hear me. This means that you don't have a debt problem, you have a coveting problem. This means that you don't have a marriage problem, you have a coveting problem. This means that you don't have a career problem, you have a coveting problem. This means you don't have a problem with your child, you have a coveting problem. Now I know you say, oh pastor, those were really blanket statements, but I would guarantee, I would be willing to bet that they are the, not the exception, but that they're the rule. So what do we do? Like really, what's the answer to coveting? Number four, what's the answer? Like God has come down, he's freed us from the bondage, the yoke of the slavery of sin. No longer do we have to be slaves. He's freed us by the shedding of His blood. He has now given us purpose and identity and passion and direction. And, and Jesus says, I love you so much that I gave my life for you. Now I want the desires of your heart because if I don't have those, they turn into things that can be sinful because your internal desires are what God is looking at. So, like, well, what's the plan? Now I was trying to think through this, like, in my own life, and you know, I read commentaries and Bible people, right? But, like, what's the answer to coveting? And I, and I wrote down a few things. How, do, how can I protect myself from coveting? Like, what's the answer? One of the things I think is the answer is, is our abundance. Like your abundance is the answer. Like you can't even see the abundance the, the, or, or the important abundance. And listen to what Jesus said. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. The scripture teaches us, it, it lists the covetousness people among those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. It lists covetous people among those who will not be rewarded in eternity. Like That's what scripture teaches. So Jesus says this, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The abundance of your life is what you're doing for the kingdom of heaven. The abundance of life is how you're discipling people and pouring into people. The abundance in life is how you're growing the kingdom of heaven, impacting your cul-de-sac in your cubicle, I mean, in, in your classroom for the sake of the gospel. This is what Jesus says. When This section that he's teaching on in Luke chapter 12, he's teaching on ambassadorship, right? Don't take the name of the Lord God's name in vain. He's teaching on riches, like what do we do when we've been entrusted with wealth? He's teaching on anxiety the covetous people are stressed and filled with anxiety. He says that he's teaching about this when he's talking about building the kingdom of heaven. He says we must be on guard. So Jesus must have known that this was something that we were going to be tempted by because it's an internal desire and he gives us this truth of, of what it's supposed to look like. By sharing a false truth of culture. See, if, if I were to poll us, you know, anonymously, most of us would say that one's life does consist of the abundance of our possessions. And Jesus would say, no, it's just the opposite. So, what is your abundance? See, culture says everyone's life is built by possessions. Like the old saying that's like, He who dies with the most toys wins. No, he's dead. Like, and that's the lie that we built. And Jesus says, No, I want you to see your abundance, how you get to live and inspire and grow the kingdom of heaven. He says that we should focus our life, our abundance, on eternal things because those are what matter. So, a lot of it will be how you see abundance, how you see fruitfulness. The other thing is our focus. How do we, how do we answer against coveting? Is just our focus. And remember, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. He says this: As for the rich in this present age, side note, pause. That includes most of you listening. Now, we have people from 22 different countries, dozen of states, and God bless you all. But for the majority of you Americans, us Americans, we are in the top 1% in the world solely by living where we do. And he says this in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. But how do you want to be rich? Be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Our desire should be made. If there's a need, I'm going to meet it. I don't know how sometimes I'm going to have faith and I'm going to meet that need. Storing up, he says, so what they do when we live that way, we store up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Jesus says our focus, how we avoid coveting, is make sure that our, our focus is on true what truly life. So Paul says it there. Jesus says it in Luke chapter 12. Can, can I just be real? And Coveting breaks God's heart. We are to enjoy what God has given us, but not enjoy it more than the real treasure of eternity, which Paul says through the scripture, that's what real life is. The other way that we protect ourselves, if you will, from coveting is just by our hearts. And some of us, we like, man, I don't know if I'm strong enough not to covet. I love what the author of Romans says in chapter five. It says, "For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. And then verse 8, and this, this verse changes everything about your life and my life. But God shows his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The King James uses the word commended, it's this, this word of ongoing. Another translation says, God proved. His love. God shows you your His love for you. It's got to be written on our hearts and says, it goes on, Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by life. More than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Like, gang, listen, all of our coveting is a heart issue. It all comes down to our heart. When we're coveting something, we think that that is what's going to give us value. When we're coveting something, we think that somehow our possessions give us our identity. When we covet success, Recognition, which, listen, those can be good things. But then, when they're the, the driving force of your life, our position, our achievements, prosperity, and the truth is, none of that's the real you. The truth is, you're either a child of God who providentially loves you and orders your steps through your faithfulness and through your obedience. And he loved you so much. that he, he doesn't love you any less on your worst day than he does on your best day. He's proven his love towards you. That while you were in sin, while you were in bondage, while you are making mistakes, he proved his love for you by the cross. And he says, listen, I'm going to come and I want to reorient your heart, your focus, what you think is abundance. And I want to step in. And I want to remove those, the, the nastiness, the sinfulness of coveting. And I want to replace it with my peace, my purpose, my passion. Jesus says, I just want to change your heart. For the Christian, the real you is the one who's been so deeply changed by love. That the knowledge of being reconciled to God the knowledge of even when I was God's worst enemy he still died for me like that is all that matters and when we have when we understand this truth we say a lot and when we have been wrecked by love our only desire becomes pleasing Jesus advancing his kingdom bringing his kingdom from heaven to earth. It is a kingdom that is coming, but is now here as it breaks out among his church. I just want you to say something with me. I want you to know you're deeply loved by God. Wherever you're sitting, wherever you're listening, say, I am deeply loved by God. Let's say it again. I want you to, I want you to believe this. I am and deeply loved by God. One more time. I am deeply loved by God. God doesn't love you based upon your performance. His love for you is guaranteed by the performance on the cross by Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to step in and take over and give your life its purpose and its passion. When we know the love of God, it changes our hearts, and our lives. We just see things differently. No longer will you or I be defined by the things, but we are defined by the person. My life becomes no longer about striving to obtain, but it's about growing in order to give The desire of our hearts begin to align with the desires of the Father's heart, and our life becomes less about success and more about serving the kingdom of heaven. Life becomes less about accumulating treasures on this earth or possessions in this world and focuses on our eternal possessions, our rewards that we will give to to Jesus. Life is about being born again. When you've been wrecked by love, when you realize that God loves you in your worst as he does you when you're at your best. When you realize that God has proved that love, you're like, well, pastor, I don't feel like right now what I'm walking through, God has proved anything. The Bible teaches us that he already proved his love for you on the cross. In that moment, When he took your sin and the sins of the world and he placed them upon himself. And the God that came down to Sinai now comes down to Calvary and He shed His blood. He proved His love towards you. And when that love changes you, you say, it doesn't matter what I have because I have Jesus. It doesn't matter what I've obtained because I have Jesus. It doesn't matter what I'm walking through because I have Jesus. And we say it like this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I want you to believe that. And this will remove all coveting from your life because you'll realize it's Jesus. And if you've been joining us and maybe one of your friends invited you to watch with them today, we're so glad you're here. Maybe you don't know of this love. Maybe you've never been transformed or born from above by this love. I just wanna give you the opportunity right where you're sitting or listening. You just say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. And that you died on the cross for my sin. Will you just change me? Forgive me of my sin. Step into my life and change me. And we believe that God wants to do that. If you've made that decision, you can go to loveservego.com. There's a box that says connect. And we would love to hear from you. Family, man, I love you. Thank you for going on this journey with us. and, and, And I'm just excited about what I see God doing as we start to model these 10 rules for life. But if coveting is something that you're wrestling with, then go to the prayer page, loveservego.com, click on connect, click on prayer, and let me know how I can pray for you. Because I I want your life to be transformed. We're gonna gonna worship, and then we have some, uh, I have a couple of announcements I cannot wait to share with you, but let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate desire of our heart. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that that our our possessions don't give us our identity. But being in relationship with you does. Help us to live out this love in all areas of our life. May it consume us so that we become the most joy-filled, peaceful, content people on the planet. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us the power to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.